Well, good morning. Great to see every one of you here today. Um, this series is going to be uh, maybe kind of a little emotional uh, for us, I think, as a church, because uh, we figured out that this is our final series here in the middle school. This is the series that will lead us up to our very last Sunday that's not too far away. We're about five or six weeks away from our last Sunday here in the middle school. Uh, so the closing of that chapter will be a little sad, but the exciting part is that the uh, next chapter is the beginning of a Connects journey in our new location. So I look forward to the first series that will be in that location. But we thought we'd wrap up our time here in the middle school by just looking at the whole um, idea of love. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with just looking at love, looking at how we as individuals can uh, demonstrate love to others, how we as followers of Jesus can show the love of God uh, in our lives and demonstrate his love to others. So, and really, I was kind of thinking about it as well, as the, as the foundation is going into place and the new building and the walls are going into place and the structure of what that building will become, this series will kind of become that structure for us as individuals to take into that new building with us so that people who drive by, see Connect Church in the heart of our community will, will know, you know, they're a group of people. I'll tell you, I, here's what I've heard about those people that are a part of Connect Church is that they really love God. And they really show love to others, that they love this community, that they love the world in which we, that, that we will be known by the way we love others. You know, Jesus himself, he, he, he said this. He said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, that's a powerful truth and, and very much true. But what makes it even more powerful is that when Jesus himself said that, he would then go on to demonstrate that in that he laid down his life for us. Um, so, so Jesus is demonstrating that the greatest form of love that there can be, that someone who would lay down their life for their friends. So if, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, we talk about that a lot here at Connect, that for many of us, we've made that decision to follow Jesus, to put him first in our lives, to live according to his teaching and his example. If you're here this morning and you would identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, I want to remind you this morning that, that in following Jesus, you are following somebody who demonstrated love by laying down his life for us. I mean, that's a huge demonstration of love. So as a follower of Jesus, we too really should be recognized by our love because we're following after someone who demonstrated such a powerful act of love. And I'm not sure if that's always the case. I'm not sure if when people think of Christians, if, if love is always the first thing that pops into their minds. But I want that to be a case, and I want it to be the case especially for us at Connect. So over these next few weeks, we're going to look at just some different aspects of just this word love and what love itself looks like. Because the truth is, and we've spoken about this before, one of the drawbacks with the word love is it's... It's such a small word, but it's used in so many different ways. So it's very difficult to, to narrow it down to a specific type of love, because if we're honest here this morning, we could say we love our kids, but we also love ice cream. And it's true. I love my wife, but you know what? I love English chocolates too. We love our friends, but we also love watching old episodes of The Office on Netflix. I love country music. 
And I love getting root canals done. Sometimes we use the word sarcastically, you know. So, so this word love, it can be kind of banded around a lot and used a lot. And uh, I want to define, when, when I think of love in the context of what God meant when, when Jesus was talking about greater love than laying down one's life for their friends, what does that look like for us as followers of Jesus? Because one of the challenges, I think, when it comes to thinking about love is that not only is the word used in so many different ways, but, but we hear it used in so many different ways and, and see it through media and movies that it can actually kind of warp our idea of what love really is. I'll give you an example of that. We've got a couple of clips here, just a random selection of love at the movies. So check this out. You really want to know what love is? Yeah. Yes, tell us. More than anything in the world, Ron. Well, it's really quite simple. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, and love, and love you. I love you. I know. I'm in love. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. I love you. So I stroke it, and I pet it, and I massage it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love carpet. I love desk. Brick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love the smell of napalm in the morning. One, two, three, four, I love the ring coat. I love it when a plan comes together. I love this game. Love your suit. I love parties. I love this house. Actually, I, I love homeschool. Me too, adore, totally. I love lamp. Do you really love the lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. So naturally, our idea of love could be somewhat warped because of the different ways that we see it portrayed in movies and around us. The dictionary definition of love is actually this. It's an intense feeling of deep affection. And I love that definition, and, and I feel like our culture tends to define love by emotion and experience and affection, and, and that's a great thing, and it's true, but, but really, we're going to find out as we go through this series that there is so much more to love than just that, so much more than just an emotion or affection. It's, it's much deeper than that, and God demonstrated a very unique type of love, and I feel like this morning... We, as his followers especially, should really try to tap into the love that God himself showed. Because in 1 John 4, 8, we read this. We read that anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So when I read that verse, I discover that it doesn't just say, here's how God loves, or here's what love looks like. It's actually saying, no, God is love. God is like the, the entire capacity of love. So I want to learn to understand the kind of love that I find in God. The kind of love that would cause him to send his son Jesus to earth. The kind of love that would cause Jesus to give up his life for us. That's the kind of love I want to tap into. I want to experience love more than just a feeling, but just as the embodiment of God who's love itself. So that's what we're talking about in this series, the idea that love does, that it's a, it's a verb, it's a doing word, it's something that you and I can do and can, can demonstrate in our lives. So over these next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at Jesus, 
Because we're going to see some great examples in the life of Jesus of how he demonstrated that love does. We're going to see some different things he said, and we're going to see that he was just a great example of, of love in human form. And this morning, I want to kick off by just looking very simply, again, through the lens of Jesus, at the idea that love speaks. Love speaks. That's where we're going to start in this series, the idea that that the things we say can actually define our love for others. Because I think you probably knew this, but as a society, we love to speak, don't we? I mean, you give some people a microphone, and man, they just are nonstop. I found out this week there are currently over 250,000 unique podcasts in over 100 different languages. That's a lot of people speaking about stuff. There are over 150 million blogs over the internet of people who have things to say. We've got talk shows, radio shows, Twitter, Facebook. There's lots of places now for people to be able to speak and share their mind because everyone wants to say something. So what does it look like when love speaks? I found out that on average we have around 30 different conversations a day, like five, 10-minute conversations, like 30 different times throughout the day you'll speak to different people. So what does that look like visually? I want you to kind of capture this morning what that looks like in a visual sense. I was doing all sorts of research this week about what love looks like in the way that we speak. And here's what I discovered this week. According to my research I came across, we actually speak around 16,000 words a day. So every day, on average, we speak around 16,000 words. Now, what I discovered was the average wasn't based on day-to-day. The average was based on who's doing the speaking. I actually found one article that that discovered that um, uh, while men speak roughly 7,000 words a day, women speak 20,000 words a day, three times more. Now, some of you might be like, come on, Dave, are you being sexist? But here's the thing, okay? I... I have two wonderful sons. They are 18 and 16 and uh, love them. They're great, have enjoyed raising them. Um, When they were uh, younger, when Will was five and Ben was seven, along came Emma and things changed. (laughs) As she got older and she started to talk, I was like, wow, she talks a lot, doesn't she? (laughs) I've been used to these two boys and now I've got a little girl who's got a lot to say. So we'll go on the average today, and we'll say that 16,000 words a day is is average what we would speak. So if we're to speak 16,000 words a day, and an average book has 90,000 words in it, did you know that if you were to write down every word you spoke over the course of the year, those words would fill 81 books there's, uh, this is how sad I am. There are 81 books on this. <laughs> I counted them out. So right here, these three shelves of books represent every word that you spoke in the course of last year. Thousands upon thousands of words. So I don't know about you, but I look at this and I think, wow, I wonder what kind of words they were. <laughs> What if someone could look at your books and and they grab this one and they pick it up and this one is titled Gossip. These are all the words you said about someone when they weren't around and you were 
probably shouldn't have said some of that. Maybe this work is, this book is driving. <laughs> These were the words you said when you were out driving. <laughs> Someone cut you off. And oh, there's some, some words in this book. <laughs> I found this book here. This book represents all the times the, the ladies in our life, our wives, asked us to do, us husbands, jobs around the house. This is that book, okay? This is every word. There's a whole chapter here that just says, have you hung that picture yet? Have you hung that picture yet? Have you hung that picture yet? But I also found um, a book here. It's the, the beautiful romantic words us as husbands have said to our wives. It's actually a trifold flyer. Uh, <laughs> that's one year's worth right there. But it's a reality, isn't it, that every one of our books... So I wonder how you would feel this morning... If these were your words in your books and you knew that someone could grab any one of these books off the shelf and read them, read some of the things you said about people you work with, some of the things you said to your kids in the heat of the moment, some of the things you said to your spouse, would you want people reading every word? You see, love speaks. And this morning, I want to think about that through the context of every word we say. And really think through, but what am I doing with the words that I say? Are they, are they building up? Are they tearing down? I want to I think more about how love can be something that, that, that I use to speak into others. Paul was a man, he was a, a, a brand new follower of Jesus at the time, and he was building the church in the New Testament, and he was just doing a phenomenal job. And most of the, over half the New Testament are letters that Paul himself wrote to other followers of Jesus. And one of those letters was to a church in a city called Ephesus. And he's writing to these people, and he's giving them some great advice on how to live their lives and how to be a church and how to follow Jesus. And, and right in the middle of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, he talks about this idea of speaking. And he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, I love that verse because I think there's great advice there at the beginning. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I would hope that we don't have too many books here full of unwholesome talk, that we think about what we're saying. But I think I like the second part of the verse even better. Because in the second part of the verse, he talks about what's coming out of our mouths should be helpful for building others up according to their needs. Helpful for building others up according to their needs. That means there are people in our life, they could be family members, loved ones, people we work alongside, neighbors, friends, that we have the power to speak words that actually would build those folks up according to their needs. What a great way of showing love. What a great way of demonstrating God's love for someone just in the way we speak. And it'll probably come as no surprise to you this morning, but Jesus himself modeled this. Jesus did a great job of modeling this. And we actually talked about it a few weeks ago. If you were here, we were looking at Jesus through the eyes of different people. And, and we were talking about Jesus through the eyes of Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. And there was a great time when, when something Jesus said just made a huge difference in Peter's life. In Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18, we read that, that Simon Peter, he answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John. 
because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What Jesus is doing here through his words is he is speaking life and vision into Peter. He has seen something in Peter, and he says, hey, hey, Peter, I see something in you that others haven't seen. I see something in you that you may not have even seen yourself. And it's so impressive that I'm going to refer to you as rock, because on this rock, my church will be built. He's giving Peter this nickname. Peter, you're rocky. In that moment, Peter's got to be feeling pretty good. He's like, yes. Jesus speaks words that just build him up. But then this crazy thing happens just a few verses later, just moments later. Peter, maybe even filled with this new confidence that the rock gave him, blurts something out, says the wrong thing at the wrong time. And listen to what happened then. Matthew 16, 22, verses 20 through 23. Then Jesus made it clear to his disciples that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders to be killed and then on the third day be raised up alive. Peter took him in hand, protesting, impossible, master, that can never be. But Jesus didn't swerve. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Wow. (laughs) He just was telling Peter what a great guy he is, and now he's kind of like telling him off. But I don't see this as a switch from Jesus, like one minute he likes Peter, then the other minute he doesn't. No, I think Jesus spoke love in both situations. I think sometimes you speak love to encourage and to empower and to build up, and sometimes there comes a spoken word in love to correct Jesus was on a mission. He knew that the time was coming where he was going to have to die and and would face a painful death on the cross. And I think in Jesus, the, the human part of Jesus, this was a struggle for him. He knew it was the right thing to do, but he was was struggling with it. And to hear Peter try and talk him out of it, he had to stand up and say, Peter, that's not you speaking, that's Satan speaking. And I don't want to hear it. I wonder if Peter felt a bit embarrassed when Jesus did that. But at the same time, I think Peter also knew that Jesus had shown love to Peter in the way he'd spoken, both in the times that he built up and the times that he challenged. I think this conversation between Jesus and Peter reminds us that when love speaks, it can come in in several different languages. So I want to look at a couple of those languages here this morning, three different ways that love can speak that can affect those around us. Because when love speaks, it can speak in different languages. The first way is that it can empower. We have the power to speak empowering words. These are the phrases like, you can do this. These are the phrases that build up and encourage and inspire. I believe in you. I see this in you. We are very fortunate here at Connect to have some wonderful leaders and staff members who who are looking for opportunities to speak into the life of the next generation, to raise up young people and and people who are new in their faith in following Jesus and say, I see this in you. 
I see this change in your life. I see this potential to see you lead in this way. And I love watching that happen because I see these people who may be young in years or young in their following of Jesus, but, but I see them growing in confidence and excitement and boldness because somebody is speaking life into them and empowering them. And we all have the power to speak those kind of words of love. At Connect, we partner with an organization called Compassion International. If you've not heard of Compassion International, they uh, work with children in poverty around the world, in third world countries especially, and their, their goal is to rescue them from poverty in Jesus' name. One of the primary ways they do that is they try to partner individual children with sponsor families in America and Australia and Europe and, and more developed countries. So you get partnered with a unique child and, and you're able to support them financially and by supporting them financially, you're actually pouring money into the community that that child is a part of, helping provide clothing and food and education and sanitation and just things that they may not have had were it not for an organization like Compassion coming into their community. But Compassion have this goal to do this in Jesus' name. So even though they know of many communities with children in poverty, they've made a, um, a pledge to not go into a community unless there is a local church that they can partner with. Because then by partnering with that church, they can help those kids. The church becomes the, the resource to the community. And it makes a difference in the lives of those kids. So we as a church, we found out early on that um, some of these communities, Compassion wants to go into, and there was a local church, they're ready to plant a church, but they just didn't have the funds to do it. It would have taken them many, many years to raise the funds, but, but we are very blessed here in America, so we were able to raise those funds. So, so since we launched six years ago, Connect has been a part of building three different churches in Ecuador through Compassion. We've helped to plant three churches, which means that with each church, we've reached hundreds of children in poverty. It makes an incredible difference in their lives. We've got more planned for this year. Next year, we're going to do another trip to Ecuador. If you're interested in learning more about that, you're going to hear more about that soon, to visit one of the churches that we've planted. The great thing is that many folks here in, in Connect sponsor children like that. But I say all this because I want to tell you a story about a man by the name of Wes Stafford. Wes Stafford was the former director of Compassion, a fantastic guy. There's a new guy now who's the director, but Wes was the director for many, many years. My wife, Casey, and I, we got to meet him. We've got to hear him speak live. And he's just incredible. He just has such a heart for children in poverty. And he just took that organization to great heights because of his passion and his belief in what God had called him to do. But the fascinating thing about Wes Stafford, and he, tells, he talks about this in his biography, is how he came to find himself as the director of this organization. So Wes actually grew up in Africa. His dad was a missionary to Africa. So he spent the first 14 years of his life in a small village in Africa. It was a very unique place to grow up. While living there in Africa, he lost nearly half of his friends to measles, malaria, smallpox, hunger, even snake bites. He says he would cry himself to sleep hundreds of nights after burying his childhood buddies. Then at 14, his dad moved back to America, and here's Wes Stafford arriving in New York City, complete contrast to what he's used to, has no idea 
what life's like here, what his future holds. And he tells the story of how one day his dad was going to speak at a church. So the driver, the guy from the church came and picked them up and they were driving to the church. And dad was sat in the front, Wes was sat in the back, 14 years old. And as often happens, the man driving turned his shoulder and said to, to Wes, Hey, Wesley, what do you want to do when you grow up? He says, I remember the moment distinctly. I just sat there frozen. I had no idea. I didn't even know what this country was like, let alone have any idea what I was going to do when I grew up. So my dad rescued me from that awkward silence. And he said this. He said, my dad said, I've been watching Wesley for a long time. He has seen a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. He has a big heart. He loves helping people who are hurting. His dad just spoke those words to this other guy. As many of us dads may do in a conversational way. But what his dad didn't realize was his son heard every single word and they stuck with him. Where Stafford said, I remember thinking, really? Is that who I am? Is that what matters most to me? That was the end of that conversation, but not the end of the thought. In fact, it was the beginning for me. In that minute, the tapestry of my life got turned over. The knots and tangles from the backside of the needlework fell into a pattern that suddenly made sense. I was launched. I just love that, the idea that this 14-year-old boy sat in the back of the car hearing his dad speak that about him is what he credits as the, the, the key moment that launched him to where he found himself as the director of this organization. It was almost as if God intended Wes, who he was to be, had to be spoken into existence. And in that moment, love spoke. Sometimes the words we speak out of love empower others. And then sometimes I think the words that we speak in love encourage others. We can speak words that empower and, and really kind of help people, you know, that I see in you, you can do this conversation. But sometimes we speak words that encourage. These are the phrases like, you're not alone. You might think that encourage sounds very similar to empower, but actually encourage, it literally means to give courage. So words of encouragement that you or I can speak might sound like this, you're going to be okay. You're not alone. We're going to get you through this. Sometimes the way love speaks is through encouraging those in their lives who are going through difficult times. Now maybe I could offer one little challenge here to us in light of this because I know many of us um, have maybe found ourselves in these situations or will find ourselves in these situations where we have a loved one or a friend or someone who is just going through a difficult time, maybe a tragic situation, and we have a moment to be able to encourage those people, to be able to show that love speaks through encouragement. But I don't know about you, as a, as a follower of Jesus, I think sometimes with the very best of intentions, we can rush to quote the Bible, suggest a book to read, maybe offer a reason for this tragic situation. When sometimes all the person wants to hear is, I'm here. I'll sit with you. I'll sit beside you through your pain. I'll be there with you. Case and I met with a friend recently, and they were 
we hadn't seen them in a while, and they were kind of catching us up on things, and we knew that they'd gone through some difficult situations in the last year. They'd lost two very dear loved ones, so we asked after them, how are things? And they said, you know, not great. This person was a follower of Jesus, had been in church a long time, but just was really hurting at that time. We listened while they just shared some, some grief, some, some anger, some frustration, some what felt like unanswered prayers. And we just sat and we listened and we said, we're so sorry. And we left it at that. You know, a few days later, that person reached out to us and they said, you know, I want to tell you, thank you so much for being willing to sit and ask how I was doing and then to listen and let me speak to say things like, you're not alone. It's going to be okay. Instead of praying or giving Bible verses or trying to come up with a reason, just being able to be there and listen, that's what I needed in that moment. And sometimes we can encourage people in our lives. We can encourage people going through difficult times just by saying, hey, I'm here if you need anything. I've got to be honest, as a pastor, I, this is one that I struggle with a lot because I feel like I've always got to find the reason. I've always got to share the, the scriptural truth. I've always got to come up with the, the answer to the situation. And sometimes I think people, the way love speaks encouragement is just to say, hey, I'm right here with you. That's a way that love can speak. And then the final way, I think, just a, a, another great version of the language of love is in exhorting words. Exhorting words. This is the phrase, hey, you could do better. You can do better. Exhorting is showing love in, 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 in kind of a challenging way. Exhort literally means to strongly urge, to, to try to influence, to warn. Speaking these words is almost always difficult, but there are times when they are, they are just what the people we love need to hear the most. Is demonstrating love and showing love by speaking those words that challenge. Case and I have um, many, many great friends, but there's this one couple in particular that we've been friends with for a long time. We met uh, in ministry together, then our paths kind of went separate ways, but we've stayed friends with this couple throughout the years. We've watched our kids grow up together, and they're in a different state, so we don't get to see them as often as we'd like to, but when we do get to see them, it's just the best quality time together because it may only be two or three times a year, but we just really make the most out of that time together. So normally when we're together, we'll catch up on family and life and faith and ministry. And it's great because neither one of us is in either one's world. So we can speak freely and they don't know any of the people we're speaking about. That We don't know any of the people they're speaking about, the situations. It's just a great place to be able to be ourselves and just to speak freely. So just recently, we were with them at a conference and we got to spend two or three nights together. And it was just great catching up and talking. But at this particular time we were together, the wife, she was going through some difficult things and difficult situations. And she just, one night, was just kind of unburdening and just sharing all this stuff that had happened. Talking about some situations where she'd been treated unfairly and some situations that she felt like had been handled wrong. And we sat and we listened and she just kind of poured out her heart and she was angry and she was frustrated and she told us all this stuff. And then that night, 
we went back to the hotel room, and Case and I, we were talking, and um, as we were kind of processing that particular conversation, Case and I, we, we talked a little bit about it, and I said, you know, I think she's right, and I hear what she's saying. I said, but I, I feel like there's some stuff I saw tonight in her that, that aren't healthy for her. I feel like she's, she needs to handle this differently. She needs to maybe forgive some situations. And Casey's like, I think you're right. So, so the following night, we got together again, and we, we had dinner, and we hung out. And then towards the end of the evening, she said, so after everything I told you last night, what do you think? What, what would be your advice to me? What should I do? And it's tough because we love these people. And I wanted to just be like, yeah, you, you need to just carry on hating. That's great. You do that. You <laughs> that would have been the easy <laughs> out. But we love this gal so much. And we said, you know what? I think in this situation, you need to do this. You need to forgive. You need to maybe handle it this way. You need to, and, and, and we just talked for a little bit. Not in a critical way and not in a judgmental way, but because we love these friends so much that we couldn't let this opportunity pass to, to let love speak through exhortation, to challenge, to say, hey, you can do this. We're right here for you, but you can do better here. The next day, she sent us a text. Here's what she said. She said, here's what I love about our friendship. You can tell me something I need to hear. I can hate it, but also I can learn from it. I hate it, but it's probably true. That's all. You guys are my favorite. Let's only talk about fun stuff for the rest of the time. <laughs> but I'm so glad that we've got this friendship with them because I'll be honest with you, there have been other times we've got together and they've been talking to me, exhorting me, challenging me, saying, hey, Dave, we're hearing what you're saying and this concerns us a bit. Maybe you need to change this or do this. And, and my hope and prayer is that you'll find someone, someone in your life who, who you recognize that, that there's that connection, that love, that, that you can speak into their lives out of love, but to exhort. Maybe they can speak into your lives. Again, not critically or judgmentally, but because they love you, to exhort. One of the greatest demonstrations of love speaking is when when you hear those tough words that you need to hear from a person, that you know is saying it because they truly do love you and they truly, need the, they, they truly want the best for you. I think that's what Peter heard when Jesus challenged him. So let me just wrap up with this, this conclusion. Like I said, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus saying that of all the, loves, of all the words we speak, Let's never forget that our, our words can build others up according to their needs. You can demonstrate love this week that way. So who do you need to speak words of love to this week? Maybe as I've been speaking, God's dropped someone into your mind that, that needs encouraging, needs empowering, maybe needs exhorting a little bit. I hope you'll pray and say, God, show me if there's someone this week who I need to, to say something like, I really believe you can do this. I see it in you. Maybe they need encouraging. You're not alone in this. I'm going to walk with you through this, whatever it is you're going through. Or maybe just an exhorting, hey, you can do better. Because the truth is, every day, 
we are filling up volumes of books with our words. And I don't know about you, but when I look at all these shelves and all these books, I want these words to count. I want love to speak. As a dad, as a husband, as a friend, as a pastor, I want people to be able to pick up these books and read them and see that these, these are just full of words of love that spoke empowerment, encouragement, exhorting. Because when I think of how love does, I want people to think that love speaks. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this isn't just a theoretical idea, but that Jesus, you demonstrated this. There were times when you looked people in the eyes who others had cast aside and you spoke words of life to them. What a great demonstration of love, Jesus, to see that we can, we can see that you just spoke life into people. But you also weren't afraid of challenging, of telling the hard truths and, and speaking them in love, not in judgment. So Father, I pray that as we wrap up our time in the middle school and we just think through this idea of what love does, that, that we would become known as a people who speak love. That people would say of the, the folks who call Connect Church their church home, they are people who speak love to one another and speak love to others. Help us in that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.